Hello friends, welcome back to the Heal Your Burnout podcast. This is episode number three, Ask Amber Anything. In this episode, I am answering your most burning questions. We're talking everything from how to set boundaries with an overbearing mother-in-law to how do you have a hard conversation with a boss that is bullying you and what happens when you feel undervalued in the workplace. We dive into this and so much more, and we're getting right into it in three, two, one. Hello, friend. Welcome to the Heal Your Burnout podcast, where us hustlers come together to have solution-focused conversations weekly. My name is Amber Connolly, a former burnt-out clinician and academic turned transformative coach. If you are a productive patty, miss I can do it all, or if you are ready to ditch the exhaustion, you have come to the right place. Each week I will be providing you with wellness tips and trainings, inspiring you to look within, replace habits that are keeping you stuck, and offering you insights to help you maintain your brilliance. If you are craving clarity, self-care, support, and mindset hacks, look no further. This is where your energy can be reignited and your hope can be restored. Welcome back to the Heal Your Burnout podcast. This is our first ever edition of Ask Amber Anything, and I am so excited for it. Thank you to everyone who submitted your questions and your topic ideas on Instagram and sent them in to me via email. I certainly appreciate all of them, and today we're going to get through three of them. And these three questions and the three women that wrote in Thank you so much for my follow-up questions. I asked a ton of follow-up questions because I really wanted myself and all of our listeners to get really clear on on what you're experiencing so I could best answer and so we can all best understand where you're coming from. Question number one. In my last job, I was feeling undervalued and overworked. So I got a new job and I even moved to a new city. Those same feelings are now coming back. I feel so bored and exhausted. I dread going to work, but I know I need to make a living. My question is, are my expectations too high? Thanks. This is such a good question. It really is because I think so many of us have been here, have been in a situation where what we're doing professionally or our day-to-day job just isn't either A, what it used to be, or B, it isn't what we expected. And the fact that you recognize that in that first job and you recognized it and you made a change, you not only switched jobs, but you moved to a new city, that takes a great deal of courage. So I I admire that, the risk that you took and your willingness to say, okay, these things aren't working, so I'm going to make a change. Now that you're in this new job, and I'm sure you started this new job full of excitement and and feeling like this time it's going to be different. I'm so sorry to hear that those feelings are coming back, but I am pleased to hear that you're, you're questioning what to do next. So thank you for reaching out. And thank you for seeking help. Now, are your expectations too high? Now, 
that is certainly something that I cannot answer. You are the expert at your life. You know you best. I'm not here to tell you how to live, but I am here to really just get you thinking and get you looking within yourself. So what I could say to answer that is what is true here? What is true is you aren't happy at your job. You're feeling bored. You're feeling exhausted. You're living for the weekends. You drive going. And you're feeling like you want more because you're asking, are my expectations too high? So it seems like you're wanting more in some capacity. Now, what is also true is, yes, you do need to make a living. You do need to make money. Money is incredibly important. (laughs) And my question for you is, yes, you need to make money. That is a truth. My follow-up for that is, at what expense? At the expense of feeling bored, exhausted? At the expense of being in pain? What is the trade-off there? And I think an important thing to highlight, and it's something that I highlight over and over again, not just in my own personal life, but with my clients as well, is you are responsible for everything in your life. You make decisions every day that dictate your well-being, your finances, your professional situation. All of that is based on decisions that you make every single day. And I know for me personally, when I was feeling like you were feeling at your job, what I can say is when I felt stuck, I felt like I was out of options. And for me, when I feel like I'm out of options, I convince myself that this is just how it is and I need to suck it up and accept it. And for me, that that's a response that I have to stress. And that's the way that I just beat myself up and I don't take action. So what I can say here is you are never stuck. You always have a say. So now what can you do to move forward? I would say the first thing is I think you should be seen by a medical professional. And I'm not saying that like there's something wrong with you, but okay, you're bored and you're exhausted. Let's get some lab work done. Let's make sure your thyroid is functioning properly. Let's make sure that your vitamins are are well, you don't need any B12 or any vitamin D. Let's make sure that from a physiological standpoint, your body is well. Because once we know that, we know that emotionally, we can work on the other things. And here's the thing. You can't solve an internal problem externally. So if there's something deeper going on here, if You're in a season of life where you're experiencing depression, anxiety, some sort of mental illness. It's very important to seek help. And I am by no means a licensed therapist or anything of that sort. So seeking medical attention and seeking out professionals that that specialize in that is very important. So I would say once you rule out that there's nothing going on from a mental health standpoint and from a physiological standpoint, the next step would be get really clear. Ask yourself, what do you love about your job? What are the things that you fell in love with? And what, what was the real reason you picked that job? Next question, what do you hate about your job? What do you find yourself despising and dreading every single Monday? 
Next, I would ask, what are my musts? As I look for a new job, what must happen? The next is, what are deal breakers? And what are things that I absolutely cannot put up with? And then I would also consider, like, what are things in the middle? What are things that, okay, I don't love, but I could deal with? Now, in this evaluation process, just looking at, like, what do I love? What am I not crazy about? In going through this process, I think it's also important to not jump to, I need to run out of this place. Because as the quote goes, bloom where you are planted, you can grow anywhere. And you could change your your pain into a lesson. And I think in life, relationships, professionally, personally, in whatever way, relationships are our biggest teachers. So as you're going through this hard season, you're not loving your job. Okay, what can you learn here? What is it? And maybe for you, it's, it's figuring out how can you make this workplace workable? How can you stay here? How can you learn the lessons that you need to learn here? Do you need to take care of yourself better? Do you need to set better boundaries? Do you need to manage your personal life and your activities that you do outside of work better? And not even better, but in a way that fuels you and energizes you and doesn't leave you depleted. Do you need to behave differently at work? Do you need to ask for help? What can you do to protect your time and energy while you're at work? I know that's a ton of information at once. So let's go back (laughs) to the initial question. You're hating your job. You already moved to a new place. You started a new job. Those same feelings are coming back. Get really clear, friend, on what you love about your job, what's not working about your job, and the in-between things. Make a list of your non-negotiables and your deal breakers and things that you're willing to work with. Then I want you to consider, what lessons can I learn here? What can I do to feel better each day at work? Ask yourself, what am I good at? What am I good at and am I doing that each day? And then consider, what do I enjoy? Because sometimes what we enjoy and what we are good at aren't the same thing. I'm a really excellent pharmacist but I don't wanna be a pharmacist every single day, if that makes sense. Just because you are good at something doesn't mean you're married to it. You're allowed to do other things. You're allowed to marry up things that you're good at and things that you enjoy, and that's really where the magic happens. So I left you with a ton of questions, and my final thought for you is, remember, you can't solve an internal problem externally. If you were coping with stress in an unhealthy manner in your first job, and if you just started a new job, those unhealthy behaviors, that baggage came with you to your second job. Look within, ask yourself these hard questions and really consider what is really going on here? What is true? And what are some possible next steps for me? You need to let us know how this turns out. And I would love to hear your your thoughts on that. We need to do a follow-up on all these questions. (laughs) All right, moving right along here to question number two. 
Question number two. My boss talks down to me. When we are alone, I can tolerate it. But recently it has been happening on Zoom calls in front of my colleagues. I know I need to talk to him about it, but I am unsure how without sounding annoying. All right. Question number two. Hmm. Well, my first question for you is, why do you think that you are annoying? <laughs> At the end, without sounding annoying, um, what is annoying about your concern? What I'm hearing you say, or what I'm reading, is you're feeling upset because your boss is speaking to you in a way that embarrasses you, that's talking down to you, and that I really would define as is bullying you, in not just in private, but in front of your colleagues. And those feelings are real. They're, they're real for you. And you're not annoying. <laughs> or um, ask yourself, why do I think I'm annoying? Because I can say feeling those feelings does not make you annoying. It makes you human. As humans, we have feelings. We're not robots. We're not meant to not be affected by things. Congratulations. You're alive and well. And you have feelings. <laughs> And it sounds like it's time for you to have a conversation with your boss. And I need to say there's a wonderful book out there and it's called Crucial Conversations. And it talks about when stakes and emotions are high, how do you navigate these conversations? And I learned a lot of my best communication skills from this book. I will put the link in the show notes. Now, what do you do next? you know you need to have a conversation with your boss. And based on that last line, how do I do it without sounding annoying? I'm thinking you're probably really nervous to have this conversation and that is okay. Now, some tips before you have this conversation, I definitely would do it face-to-face. -face. Obviously, we are in the middle of a global pandemic. And since you mentioned Zoom in your question, Maybe face-to-face -face in person isn't possible right now. And maybe that option is now a Zoom call. But either way, I think face-to-face -face is important. And being able to look at the other person when you're having this type of conversation allows for communication to be so much clearer than it would be over email or on the phone. Now, as you're getting prepared for the meeting, it's really important to prepare you don't want to go in there and just wing it. You want to have a well thought out plan. And a good place to start would be really listing out the facts. What happened? And as you're listing out the facts, I want you to comb through and bullet point truths. So an example of this would be in the Zoom call on August 3rd, when I spoke, you rolled your eyes on camera and stated that that was a stupid idea in front of the team. Now, that's just a fictitious example, but actually speak to what was the behavior. And if you have a date or if you have a specific situation that you could speak to even better, I would come prepared with three to five examples I'm not saying you have to share every single one of them in your conversation, but the important thing with this is to keep it fact-based. 
this is what happened. Because that is what your eyes saw. That is what you heard. Those are the facts for you. Then once you share what the behavior was that you witnessed, follow up with, I felt when this happened, I felt, and then share your feelings. And get really clear on what you did feel. Did you feel hurt? Did you feel unheard? Did you feel invisible? Did you feel disappointed? Did you feel attacked? How did you feel? And get really clear on what your feelings were. And it's really important when you're sharing these to keep any sort of language that could be interpreted as judgmental out of it. So remember fact-based, being able to state what you witness, but avoiding things like, you made me like this, or you made me feel like this. When emotions are high, which they are, in conversations like these, they, they are. You're feeling like you're being bullied. You're feeling hurt. So your emotions are already heightened. And based on how your boss responds, your emotions can become even more heightened. And it could put you at risk to speak out of emotion instead of out of logic. And the reason why I'm saying that is you want to stick to your facts, stick to your feelings, and remember that's your script. That's what you're sticking to. You don't want to ever get into any sort of language that could be construed as judgmental. When you... When you behaved this way, you made me feel sad. You made me feel X, Y, Z. It's important to avoid any sort of language that's accusatory. We want to keep it very logical. That helps the person on the receiving end. It mitigates defensiveness. That's the idea behind it. Now, we can't predict how your boss is going to respond to this situation. We have no idea. And after you share what you witnessed and, and how you felt after what you witnessed, I would say something like, wrapping it up, um, this is my interpretation of the events. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts or end it with an open-ended question. So then you give the other person a chance to respond. This is my take on what happened. What do you think? Or I'm not sure if this is how you intended this to, to go down, but this is how I'm left feeling. What do you think? And the cool thing about feelings is there's no such thing as right or wrong. Your feelings are your feelings and, and you own them. Own them every single time. And the great thing about them is they can't be disputed. If you felt small, if you felt unseen, unheard, if you felt hurt, that, that's your feelings, and, and you are entitled to own that. Now, we don't know how your boss is going to respond. In a perfect situation, this boss would say, whoa, I had no idea I was coming off like that. I've been really stressed out, and I'm so sorry. That would be in an ideal situation. We have no idea how this is going to go. Your boss could even respond with, uh, I didn't do that. So an important thing to do when you're preparing is to have a follow-up statement. And we always want to keep the conversation solution-focused and professional and, and concise, too. It's important to keep it concise. 
my favorite way to wrap up a situation like this would, would be before going into the meeting, get really clear on what your intention is and what your desired outcome is. So based on what you shared in this question here, it seems like your desired outcome would be that you don't want to be bullied. You want to be spoken to with respect. So I would come up with some sort of prepared statement like moving forward, I would prefer to be communicated with XYZ. And an important thing to remember is, um, again, the solution focus piece. So I would prefer that constructive criticism is delivered in private and in a solution focused manner. Because at the end of the day, name calling or putting you down isn't solution focused. It's not going to help you be better by, by being put down. So Hopefully your boss is able to really um, own his or her side of the street. And I would say it's really important to document the situation. And a way you could do that is starting your own Word doc of what happened in the meeting and the date and time. Or you could even email your boss after thanking him or her for meeting with you and summarizing what you discussed. And... If you need to, think about what your next steps would be if the situation doesn't go well. What are your next steps? Do you need to look for a new job? Do you need to escalate the situation? Do you need to get HR involved? What are your next steps? That was a heck of a lot of information, but lots of golden nuggets there. I think that often we shy away from having these hard conversations with our boss because we think it's an authoritarian figure there were a ton of golden nuggets in that entire question. I think that often we shy away from having these hard conversations with our boss or any sort of authority figure because we think, who am I to talk to them? And I should be grateful that I have this job. At least that's what I used to tell myself. But an important thing to remember is at the end of the day, you work there. You deserve to feel like you're you're contributing. You're a contributing team member and no one deserves to go to work and feel like they're less than, spoken down to, being bullied. Everyone deserves respect. That is a minimum right in the workplace. So you are well within your realm of rights by meeting with your boss and talking about this. Best of luck with that one. You need to let us know how that conversation goes. Next up, we have one more question to close out. And this one is a really specific situation about an overbearing mother-in-law. So a big thank you to the submission for giving us really clear examples. We have Amber. I wasn't able to take part in your Boundaries virtual series, but I have been keeping up with your Instagram trainings. I have a question about boundaries. I don't have many boundaries. I am just learning about them. Growing up, my mom never talked about them. And my mother-in-law also doesn't have boundaries. She's really sweet and does nice things, like stops by to visit my two golden doodles and brings them treats. She will pick up extra takeout for dinner and drop it off for my husband and I. She always seems to check up and make sure we are doing okay. She lives less than two miles from us. Recently, it has been getting on my nerves. She shows up unannounced, 
and it's getting old. The final straw came when she asked if she could come on vacation with my husband and I. We are about to celebrate our fifth wedding anniversary. I love her dearly, but this is all getting too much. (laughs) I talked to my husband about it, and he is pretty dismissive and just says, oh, mom, and doesn't do anything about it. My mom lives on the West Coast, and I live on the East Coast, so I don't have the same issue with my mother. We are starting to try to have children, and I'm so hesitant to continue because I know when kids come into the picture, this is going to blow up, or I might blow up. What are my boundary options here? Wow. It sounds like you definitely need some boundaries here. Now, first and foremost, you are the expert here. I, I will say this over and over again. You are the expert at your life. What I'm saying is just a guideline. These are questions that you could begin to ask yourself so you could decide how to move forward. Based on what you shared, it seems like your mother-in-law is overstepping a lot of your boundaries, and it seems like your husband is just used to it, and, and that is not uncommon. It seems like this is just how his mom is, She knows no boundaries, and your husband is just like, well, that's just how she is. And it's not working for you. I would say a good first step, and congratulations, by the way, in in beginning to set boundaries and beginning to become curious about boundaries. And I know from personal experience, when you don't have boundaries and when you're in situations where people are overstepping, it's not a fun time. So... Congratulations on making the decision to start identifying where you need them. Now, first is I would get really clear on what is in your control. So for example, I know you mentioned your husband in here and this is me like jumping to a conclusion, but maybe your attempt at talking to your husband about it was the hope that he would then talk to your mother-in-law and it would remediate the situation. But the truth is, You only have control of yourself. You have control of your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Your husband's thoughts, feelings, and actions are his business. The same holds true for your mother-in-law. Now, we teach people how to treat us. For example, your mother-in-law is showing up at your house unexpectedly. You live there with your husband, and it is 50% your house. So her showing up unexpectedly impacts your life and you are entitled to set a boundary because that is your property. Now, say your mother-in-law every Sunday evening drops off your husband's dry cleaning and perfectly presses his clothes for work every single Sunday. And you know what? You're aggravated. It just annoys you and it makes you angry and you think that your husband should do it himself. Now, Remember, you are only control in control of your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. So that's between your husband and his mom, and you're not in that situation. So what I'm saying is, first step, get really clear on what is in your control. Next, start with one situation that's not working for you. Let's say dropping off takeout. You're going to start with that one. Step one would be set the boundary and set it from a loving place. So it might sound something like, let's say her name is Barb. Hey, Barb, you know, thank you so much for dropping us off dinner. 
the other night. That was so thoughtful of you. And then state what your boundary is. You know, you really don't need to do that. It's okay. It's okay. We, we don't need takeout. And I actually am able to cook dinner and I'm able to order us takeout, as is my husband. And moving forward, we don't need you to drop off takeout. It's so thoughtful, but it's really unnecessary. And then it would be her chance to respond to that. Now, those steps are always set the boundary, do it from a loving place, state it, and then move forward. Now, say for instance, if this was about dropping by your house, hey Barb, it's so sweet that you drop over here and you bring our dogs treats, that's so thoughtful. You know what, Barb, my schedule is crazy. And there are times that we just simply aren't home or we're really busy. And I wanna see you too when you drop off these treats. And, and I feel really badly that, that you come and, and sometimes we're rushed or I don't get to do the things that I need to do. Things are really busy. Moving forward, if you're gonna stop by, please call before. And then I could let you know if it's a good time or not. And I would say in this situation, the biggest thing here is follow through. So for example, if Barb drops by and doesn't take that boundary seriously, three days later, she's at your door with takeout or with dog treats, an important thing would be to follow through on that boundary since she didn't call beforehand to actually not let her in. And it, it would only take a few times of doing that for her to understand that boundary. Now, I will say, Barb is probably not going to understand. Barb may take this personally. Barb may feel unloved by you setting that boundary. An important reminder for you is you are not responsible for the thoughts, feelings, or actions of Barb. I'm going to be really curious to hear how this turns out. And just remember, family are some of the hardest people to set boundaries with. And just the fact that you're starting to look within yourself and you're starting to identify areas where you need to set boundaries is a very courageous step in the right direction. So big congratulations there. Please let us know how this pans out and we're rooting for you. Also, make sure you have a support system. Make sure that you have a person you could talk to about this and a person who is going to reinforce your commitment to setting boundaries. Don't call up your friend Susie that's going to say, oh, poor Barb. Barb is going to be so sad. You're making her feel unloved. Don't call that friend. Call a friend who is strong in her boundaries. <laughs> all right, friends, that is all I have for you this week. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ask Amber Anything. Please send me any future questions or topic ideas to my Instagram account at Amber underscore Connolly underscore or email it to me directly, Amber Connolly coaching, no spaces at gmail.com. Thank you so much. I'll see you next time. Hey friend, before you leave, please head on over to iTunes podcast and search for Heal Your Burnout. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us a five-star review and help us spread the word about our show. 
I would love to connect with you on social media. My Instagram handle is at Amber underscore Connolly underscore. And until next time, I'm sending you so much love and light. And I can't wait to keep moving forward with you.